Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Genesis, chapter 39. Genesis, chapter 39. Now, remember, we're studying on the types of Joseph as a type of Christ in so many ways. We started first on types in the Old Testament, and we found several, but then we just concentrated upon Joseph, that one person. And uh, we've already studied chapter 37 and, and 38. 37, 38, 39, and we're still in 39. We're down to to verse 16, if you will. Let's look at verse 16. Genesis 39, verse 16. We'll read verse 16 through 18. And she laid up his garment by her. Remember, Joseph was running away from this woman that was trying to seduce him, a wife of Potiphar. Uh, and so he was trying to get away from her. And it says he left his garment behind. She grabbed his garment and kept it. And, and in verse 16, she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled. Now then, Joseph here was falsely accused. That's our next statement. That's number 32 of the times that we've given you of the types, and some of you are marking them down. So this is number 32. And it's uh, talking about Joseph being falsely accused. Now, how is this a picture of Christ? That's very easy for us to understand, isn't it? Because Jesus was falsely accused. And so I want to give you one reference in uh, Matthew 26, verse 59 and 60. And this will show us how Jesus was falsely accused. Matthew twenty six fifty nine says, Now the chief priests and elders and all the councils sought false witnesses against Jesus to put him to death. They, a true witness wouldn't do him any good because there was nothing wrong. So they sought, this is Matthew 26, verse 59. So they sought false witnesses against Jesus. But it says in verse 60, But found none, yea, Though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses. And then they began to accuse him and said, This fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And so on. They began to accuse Jesus. Jesus did say that, but he spake of the temple of his body. Remember, he said, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. But the Bible tells us that he spake of the temple of his body. And they thought he was speaking of the temple, that Solomon's temple that was so glorious. So they were false witnesses. And many false witnesses do not understand what it is to be a true witness. They don't even want to entertain the thought in the first place. So, just as this woman back here in Genesis 39 bore false witness against Joseph, so these false witnesses bore bore false witness against Jesus. So thus, he is a type, Joseph is a type of Christ. And by the way, sometimes you and I have entered into that figure ourselves when, when someone falsely has accused you or, you or me of doing something. I say you and I. That's what I was taught when I was taking English in high school, but now it's all you and me stuff. So I don't know which is true. English changes as well as other things. But be that as it may, we do know that sometimes we are falsely accused. If people are prejudiced, they're quick to prejudge the accusation against us anyway. And so we don't 
favor that. We like to have the truth come out. All right, and the next thing about Joseph, think of this for a moment. We'll read on down verse 19. It says, And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And so, after the wrath of Potiphar had heard the accusation that his wife made, he became angry with Joseph, and we find that Joseph attempted no defense. So this is our next statement. Number 33, Joseph attempted no defense against the accusation and against the wrath of of Potiphar. He, He didn't say to his master or Potiphar, well, I didn't do anything. He didn't begin to argue that he was being falsely accused. And how much is this like Jesus? He attempted no defense. What about Jesus attempting no defense? I'll give you two references on this. Isaiah 53, verse 7. Listen carefully what it says here. It says, He was oppressed, speaking of Jesus, and he was afflicted, yet opened he not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. So that's Isaiah's prophecy of Jesus. Not attempting any defense on his behalf. And furthermore, Peter tells us about it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. Listen, it says, Who when he was reviled, this is Jesus, reviled not again. When we're reviled, what do we do? We try to answer back, don't we? When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Most of us can't endure that, can we? I mean, most of us at least have to answer back some way or another. But Joseph was a picture of Jesus in that he did not argue about it. He just let the, the pastor of the house, Potiphar, have his own wrath and anger thrust against him. Joseph did without even answering anything in his defense. He took no defense of himself. You and I, most of the time, we get on the defensive. But sometimes it's better if we let things go. You know why it's better if we let things go? Because the Bible says, where no wood is, the fire goeth out. It'll burn out sooner or later. And even the wrath of Potiphar would cease pretty soon. Well, there's another line to that one that we just quoted. It says, and where there's no tail bearer, the strife ceaseth. But anyway, we know that sometimes we create a greater problem when we're put on the defensive than we do if we just let it go. It's pretty hard for us as human beings to just let something go. But we have to learn to do it. And we have to learn to put it in God's hands. Just give you an illustration. <laughs> and I don't want to tell you my, all my own personal problems, but... This past week, someone broke into my shop and they took a, at least around $1,000 worth of power tools out of my shop. They took a brand new steel chainsaw. They took a Rockwell reciprocating saw that cost me about $159. They took a cordless drill that was brand new that I hadn't used hardly any when I remodeled my bathroom. They took two other electric drills. They took a router and two sanders, and an electric stapler, and what else, I don't know. But all the, those things were the accessories that go with them. But anyway, we, I could sit and worry about it all day, 
And I do think about it. But I, I could let it completely upset me. Louise and I said, well, you know, God knows who did it. The Lord knows who did it. And maybe He'll help us to find out who it was. But be that as it may, it's still just material things, isn't it? When it all comes down to it, it's still material. Jesus said uh, one time when uh, some of them were worrying, He said, fear not those that kill the body. And we haven't gone near that far. But He says, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So if we have any fears about human beings or things that take place, our fear should be of God and not of man. And anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you. I don't know why. I guess because it's on my mind some. <laughs> but anyway, you have to learn to let it go. You have to learn to just forget about it. And you can't just always be worrying about things that you cannot help. The things that you can help do something about it, and the things you cannot help turn it over to God. Isn't that pretty good advice? If you can help it, do something about it. And if you can't help it, put it in God's hands. And He can help it. And He will. And He has. So, Joseph here attempted no defense of himself for himself. Now then, number 34, you'll find in verse 20. Look at verse 20. You, you have Genesis chapter 29, uh, 39, verse 20. Genesis 39, verse 20. And what we find here is that it says, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. So the next point is basically stated in that verse that Joseph was cast into prison. Now, how does this concern Jesus? We know that he was not literally put into a prison, but he was condemned to the cross, was he not? We find that this being true, Joseph put in the prison. Had Potiphar truly believed his wife, he would have put Joseph to death because that's what it would involve. But evidently, by Potiphar just putting Joseph into prison, he had a little doubt himself about what had taken place. It may show something of their family life and their relationship. And if that be true, that he just really wasn't convinced that he should be put to death because of this, which ordinarily would be the sentence, that this would be kind of like Jesus when Pilate said, I find no fault in this man, even though his wife had come with her dream and even all the other things that transpired. Well, Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. But yet he was not judge enough or leader enough to take a stand. He was in a dilemma, wasn't he? Because if he had done what's right, he'd, he'd let him go. But he was trying to appease the crowd by have, take, bringing Jesus forth and having him, having him scourged. So, uh, we have that thought coming our way. And then, the next thing we find, if I may relate to it, that uh, Joseph was not only cast in prison, but in the same verse, in verse 20, where he was cast into prison, that Joseph, and this is number 35, Joseph there suffered at the hands of the Gentiles. Joseph suffered at the hands of the Gentiles. Joseph was not only mistreated by his brethren earlier, remember his brethren had mistreated him, but also treated unfairly and unjustly at the hand of the Gentiles. So both Jesus was, Jesus was mistreated by his brethren, we know the Bible says he came unto his own, his own received him not. And Jesus also suffered by the hands of the Gentiles. You read in Acts chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Acts 4, verse 26 and 27. Notice what it says here. It says, 
The kings of the earth stood up. And by the way, this is a quote from the second psalm. It says, the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers, this would be rulers of all different nations, Gentile people. This was not the chief priests and scribes. This was not the Jewish element. But it says, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. Now look, for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both, both Herod, look, and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, there's the Jews again, were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. It says, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And we go on and find out things taking place during the book of Acts. But he's, the point we want to make is that he suffered at the hands of the Gentiles. The thing we want you to see is that Joseph, and you find that in verse, verse 20 again, says, And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, that in the prison, Joseph, the innocent one, this is number 36, the innocent one suffered severely. We don't see it right in the record, but other references will show us that Joseph did suffer severely, even though we find the record here shows that he found favor and later on became a leader while he was in the prison. So the innocent one suffered severely. Now I want to give you two references. Look in uh, Acts 7, verse 9 and 10. Acts 7, verse 9 and 10, and show how Joseph suffered. It says concerning Joseph in the New Testament... Acts 7, verse 9, And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. That's when his brethren had sold him into Egypt. Then it says in verse 10, And delivered him out of all his afflictions, and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. So it, it shows here that he had all, uh, many afflictions. I'm sure when he first was thrown in prison that he didn't meet all the favor of the jailer. That this had to transpire after a, pay, a period of time and a lot of patience on Joseph's part. But it did come to pass. And let me give you another reference that, that shows us that the innocent one suffered severely. And then how it applies to Jesus. Psalm 105, verse 17 and 18. Look at Psalm 105. Verse 17 and 18. It says, He sent a man before them. This is rehearsing the history of, of Israel. God's providential dealing over His nation and people. It says, He sent a man before them, even Joseph. Now listen carefully. Who was sold for a servant. Now look. It says, Whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. So it tells us that it, when he was first thrown in prison, he was fettered. He was laid in irons. So, these other references show us that some things transpired before he actually gained favor with the keeper of the prison. And we need to understand that. The passage I gave you in the book of uh, Acts chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, and also this one in Psalm 105, verse 17 and 18, show us that he suffered much by being imprisoned. Okay, the next point of our message is this is that Joseph won the respect of the jailer. Let's read 39, verse 21. It says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Now look, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. God gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph, saying, All the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. 
The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So, at a certain point in time, Joseph found great favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. We know first that we read that he was afflicted, that he suffered affliction, that his feet were in fetters, and he was laid in iron. But we know now that from this record, that the picture shows us here how God was with him, showing God's providential help and favor that the Lord gave to Joseph, even though he was there in the prison. Now, I want you to notice something else. How is it that Jesus won the respect of the jailer? You might say, well, how, how does that respect come to Christ in the New Testament? Look in Luke 23, verse 47. Luke 23 and verse 47. Remember, after Jesus was crucified, in verse 47, and here you have a, a soldier, centurion. Now, when the centurion saw what was done... He glorified God, saying, certainly this was a righteous man. That's how he found favor. Even in his death, he found favor in those that were over him, even when he died on the cross. Now, back in Genesis chapter 39, I want to give you some more things. Well, let's take chapter 40, if you will. Chapter 40, verse 1 through 3. Genesis 40, verses 1 through 3. It says, And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. The butler and the baker. The Pharaoh, and Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place, now notice, the place where Joseph was bound. Now we know that Jesus was bound to the cross, or he was hanged upon the cross, nailed to the cross. But this passage, verses 1 through 3, shows us that Joseph was numbered with the transgressors. You have two transgressors here, the chief butler and the chief baker. And they were thrown in the same prison where, where Joseph was. So it says, in the place where Joseph was bound. Genesis 40, verse 3. And the statement is this, that Joseph was numbered with the transgressors. He was there with the other transgressors. The chief butler and chief baker. Was not Jesus numbered with the transgressors? The prophecy tells us He was. I have three references I'll give you. Now look in Isaiah 53 and verse 12. And, the, and Isaiah prophesied that He would be numbered with the transgressors. Let's read verse 12. It says, Therefore will I divide Him a portion with the great, and He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because He hath poured out His soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. That's what Isaiah prophesied. And he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He was not only numbered with the transgressors, but he made intercession for the transgressors. There's two things there. When he made intercession for many transgressors, he said, What Father forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the making of intercession. But then he was numbered with two thieves, wasn't he? One on either side. He was numbered with the transgressors. And so turn to uh, also to Luke 22, verse... Well, let's turn to Mark first. Mark 15, verse 27 28. And then we'll go to Luke. Mark 15, verse 27 28. Now, this is how Joseph is a picture of Christ, being numbered with the transgressors. Verse 27 says, And with him 
they crucified two thieves, the one on on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. You see that? So it says the scripture was fulfilled. That's the scripture of Isaiah was fulfilled. So thus Joseph is a type of Christ in that he was numbered with the transgressors. And how did that happen? We find that the Bible tells us that Joseph was put in prison. And then here comes the chief butler and chief baker. And they're thrown in there with him. Just as Jesus was condemned. And the other, the two thieves were condemned with him. And there were three crosses. And so thus he's a picture of Christ who was numbered with the transgressors. Luke 22 verse 37. Luke 22 and verse 37. Notice what it says here. It says this. Jesus is saying this now. He says, For I say unto you, that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. So Jesus himself, before the crucifixion, prophesied that this very same thing would happen to him. That this thing must be fulfilled. What is written concerning him, accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors. So, the same thing that we read in Matthew's Gospel and in Mark's Gospel. Or in Isaiah and in Mark's Gospel. Now, the last and most wonderful thing that I want to give you before we continue on in further studies, you'll find what transpired in this 40th chapter. And we'll read it and then we'll give you the title of what we find. There's one more type in this 40th chapter that we want to point out. So, as we read on down from verse... Four, it says, And the captain of the guard, remember this chief butler and chief baker were thrown in prison with Joseph. It says, And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season in ward. And they dreamed a dream. This is the chief butler and chief baker. They dreamed a dream, each man his dream in one night. Each man, according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers, this was chief butler and baker, that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? He says, Tell me, I pray thee, I pray you. Tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. And it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And then he says, And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. And I took the grapes and pressed them into the cu- Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. That was the chief uh, butler's dream. Now then, what happened? And Joseph said, Listen, unto him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head, in other words, he'll take you out of prison, and restore thee unto thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former matter when thou wast his butler. He says to the chief butler, he's going to restore you to your place. You're going to be blessed. And then it says, but think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. By the way, he was so soon to forget what Joseph had told him. 
You know, when things are down, we want the help of someone else, and when they're up, we forget all about them. Isn't that the way it goes? That's the way it goes. It says, For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing. Now, he's not complaining. He's just telling these two other prisoners that really he had done nothing. I've done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said, Well, this... The chief baker said, well, now this chief butler is going to be restored to his position. And he's going to minister unto, the, unto, the, uh, unto Pharaoh. And he's going to bring him back his cup and be the cupbearer. And when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. This is the chief baker, baskets of baked goods. And in the uppermost basket there was all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh. Now look, and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. The birds, fowls. You know what birds are symbolical of? Of evil. They're symbolical of in in the in the New Testament where the seed was sown by the wayside, the birds of the air came down, the fowls and and came and took that seed. And that's symbolical. Of the, and Jesus tells us that that's symbolical of the devil coming and snatching away the word after it's sown. We don't have to go to an interpreter for that. Jesus himself did it for us. So here it's told Joseph that the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Now listen. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head, he's going to bring you out of prison from off thee, and shall hang thee on a tree, and the bird shall eat thy flesh from off thee. What's he saying? That for the chief baker, condemnation. We're going to give you the picture here in just a moment. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler, and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler into his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. See that? The chief butler began to serve just like he had before time. Then it says, But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him. But what the point I wanted to make, and this is number 39 if you're taking these down, Joseph was the means of blessing to one, but the pronouncer of judgment on the other. This is the last type we'll study tonight, but think of it. Joseph was the means of a blessing to the chief butler, but he was what? The pronouncer of judgment upon the chief baker. Now, how is this a picture of Christ? I think it's easy to see. You turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, and let's begin reading with verse 39. And see if these two did not have one that was blessed and the other was what? Condemned. Verse 39, Luke 23, 39 says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, now look, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? This is what we call the two thieves that were condemned to hang on either side of Jesus. And one of them said, If you're the Son of God, save yourself and us. And remember, there's another scripture that says when they were first hanged on the uh, Jesus and them were hanged on the cross that they they cast the same in his teeth that both of them were unrepentant to start with. Both of them were condemning Jesus. 
Both of them were casting out foul words against Jesus. And there's references that I could give you, but I won't have time. I want to make this point. But what we want to see is that, but the other, verse 40, answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing we are in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly. This one thief says, We deserve it, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, pointing to Christ, or referring to Christ, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So what did we find here? Well, we stated before. That for the chief butler, back in Joseph's day, he was restored to his position. And for the chief baker, what happened? He was hanged. And isn't this true that Jesus was a pronouncer of a blessing to one? This one that said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. What was it happened? He was a blessing to him. Because he said, today, okay, shalt thou be with me in paradise. But what about the other one? He remained in a condemned state. He did not repent. And we know his condemnation was due to the fact that he refused Christ. Because the Bible says, he that believeth not is condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So we find that uh, the statement we made refers to the fact and that's the last of the, the 40th chapter that we have thus far. We may have other things. But that Joseph was the means of blessing to one. This is number 39 if you're copying these down. And he was the means of a blessing to one, but the pronouncer of judgment on the other. And we'll let that suffice and we'll get in our further types. Number 40 will be the next type that we'll have. We said there's... There's uh, 65 of them that we'll study, so we've still got a long ways to go, but I trust that you're following along and getting some of these things that we're trying to, to uh, unravel for you and to show you how that Joseph is a type of Christ.